We started last week, we kicked off a brand new series, just simply entitled, Weathering the Perfect Storm. Is that not 2020 in a nutshell, right? It is the perfect storm. I mean, all the things that are happening from civil unrest to a pandemic to an election year, and then you throw life, just regular day-to-day life in the middle of that too. I mean, this is probably, um, and then maybe not even probably, it is the most difficult year that any of us have ever really been through. And so last, last week, we kind of took, it, took, took a look at our lives here, things that we've gone through over the last six months, things that we've experienced um, as a community, as a people group, as a, as a nation, um, things that hopefully, even though it's tough, things that God can use for good, things that can strengthen us, strengthen, things that can grow us in our faith. And, um, and we're going to continue kind of that theme of weathering the perfect storm, and we're going to do that by looking outside of our four walls now. What happens outside of our lives? What happens even outside of our country? Um, as you guys know, if, if you're part of RE3, you've been part of RE3 for any amount of time, we are built around missions. We are a missional community. That is that is. In our DNA, that is who we started with, that's who we'll end with. And that is everything that encompasses what we do. And one of our favorite things to do, and it has been for the last almost seven years now, is we want to pour back into missionaries that are near and dear to our heart. Um, there's lots of amazing organizations out, out there. There's lots of amazing missionaries doing incredible things. But one of the things that we decided early on is that the folks that we wanted to commit to, the folks that we wanted to um, support, whether financially or through prayer or both, are people who meant something to us, people that we know, that we have connections with, that our lives have roots together, and they are basically part of our extended Rethree family. And um, this morning, you guys are going to get to meet an amazing couple and, and uh, hear about their family. And, and we, uh, they are friends of, of several of ours. They go back way, way back. And so I'd like to uh, right now just, um, man, Lori and Richard Hayden, come on up. And I'll see if I can get these mics working correctly. Um, so Hank, don't yell at us. You know how he is. <laughs> All right. We'll see if they're on. Test. Test. That one's on. Test. All right. Hank, we're good? All right. Let's grab a seat. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So Richard and Lori um, and, and the boys, and I guess maybe did they go off to Kids Church? Or are they still here they somewhere? Kids Church, and they were out. <laughs> <laughs> They've had enough of you guys, right? Um, we haven't had Kid Church in six months. So. <laughs> well, we really hadn't either. We just started it back, and so there's a lot of happy families here now. Yeah. So let's just introduce ourselves. Um, we go way back. I was thinking about it, maybe like 13 or 14 years, and we, we attended the same church together for a while. And what was life like for you guys, let's say, up until a couple of years ago? Like, what, what, who are y'all? What were, what were y'all like? Okay, I guess I'm one. <laughs> I, I'm used to standing up in front of people and talking, so I'm just going to let her uh, talk. Yeah. Well, uh, let's see. Okay, about 11 years ago, we were called to an area. It would be his first time in full-time mission, um, excuse me, in ministry. And it, it's an area, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of it, Rutherford County, North Carolina. <laughs> All right. It's, we love that area. Are you from there? No, Rutherford County. Oh, Stop by and see us. That's where we're staying right now. We, we love it. That, um, he started out as a children and youth pastor at a small church, 
uh, in at Henrietta, in Henrietta, North Carolina. Have you heard of that one too? Ooh, okay, they walk goats there, so be careful. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. <laughs> but we started uh, in ministry there. He started in ministry there, and I was teaching. I'm a retired public school educator. I uh, t- uh, taught for 20 years in the state of North Carolina. You pick it up. <laughs> awesome. So where are we now? Oh, so from there, I uh, ended up going to another church, uh, Element Church, which we consider a home church there in Rutherford County. I was on staff there for a few years. And so, um, and so actually, we were here um, in 2017 visiting um, our senior pastor of Element Church. I was serving as an associate pastor, and he challenged us as staff um, to lead an international mission trip. And so I had a connection to uh, Guatemala, and I was working with a guy to get there to Guatemala. And, um, and then came here and saw RE3 was planning a trip to Guatemala, and our trip fell through, so we partnered with you guys, and um, that was our first trip to Guatemala in 2017. Okay. Yeah. And what happened over the last three years? I mean, it, you know, it, you went on that trip, you came home, mm-hmm. and like so many people do when you, when you do a trip outside of your normal environment, mm-hmm. you know, and God puts you in a place that is really global, you kind of get bit by this bug. It, it, it's it's yeah. it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, I'll let her tell her part. Then I'll tell I was part. bitten first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I say that he needs to get his connection clear with the Lord, and he, he finally <laughs> got it cleared up. But no, the first trip there, we were at. Um, one of the poorest areas that we had seen at that time. It was right outside of a dump area. People look to the dump as a source of uh, things that they can eat, things that they can sell, things that they can use. And uh, there are some people who actually live in the dump area, so you can imagine the poverty is great. And we were working with a mission ministry that serves them they have like about two acres of land they have homes permanent homes and block structures for them they have a place where they can receive medical attention a soup kitchen and they were in the process of having a church they're building a church there at that time well I was just broken you know there was a lady there who really touched my heart and um, I had to walk away from the group I'm going to do it now. <laughs> I remember the moment. And we just, I walked away and I was bawling because she wanted to give me a token of her love for me and this woman who had nothing. And she gave me something and then we shared. And I just said, you know, this is it. This is, we had been talking about missions for years. And I just, there was something special about that place. Uh, we had felt it the entire week. And, um, well, I say I did. And he said, he, he hugged me. He was the good husband, but he's also trying to be the mature one. And <laughs> said, you know, I don't want you to make an, an emotional decision, or we're not going to make an emotional decision. But I'll let you tell how the Lord worked on your heart. Yeah, so <laughs> that was... <laughs> it sounds like Lori worked on your heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was July of 2017. And so in October of... 2017 actually uh, our daughter and son-in-law went with me to Guatemala then um, and then another guy from church but um, I just spent two weeks uh, fasting and praying and just really seeking the Lord and um, and that was my whole reason for going back was just to say Lord is this what you really have for our family and so at the very same place where the Lord began to speak to her heart the director of that ministry he's Guatemalan he asked me to come and to teach a Bible lesson there and so as I'm teaching I walk out and um, and the Holy Spirit um, you know you hear it. It's like a, not that audible voice, but you know it's the voice of the Lord speaking to you. And I just remember just like she said, Phew. it was so clear. It's like that was it. Mm. 
and he just completely broke my heart. And um, and I called her, you know, you know that ugly cry, you know, you got snot running <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah, that ugly cry. I called her. And she's like, "Are you all right?" You know, because they're still in the states. And I said, "Yeah, the Lord is definitely leading us to Guatemala." And so, um, and so from there, we we're like, "Okay, we're going to put all this together, and and we're going to leave in the year 2020." But uh, last uh, the fall, well, February of 2019. Um, we had begun to raise support, and at that time, we're only at like 15% raising support. We're trying to raise a launch fund and all that stuff. And so I go to this uh, missionary training organization in Western North Carolina called CIT, and it's a language acquisition, how to learn a foreign language. And the very first day I'm there, um, the Lord clearly spoke again and said, you guys aren't waiting till 2020, you're leaving in five months. And I called her at school, and I said, you're retiring this year, and we're moving <laughs> to Guatemala. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And how was that news? Were you like, yes, <laughs> like finally? Or was it like scary, like, oh my gosh? Well, it's kind of funny because a long time ago, I had worked in Forsyth County at uh, the, det det the detention center. And, you know, that was time that I'd forgotten. I never knew until we started looking into retirement that if I combined that time with the years that I had, it was exactly 20 years. So I was, you know, I had, and ever since we'd gone to the retirement meeting looking ahead, I thought, hey, that, that is an option. That is an option in my mind. I had yeah. never voiced it to him. And then whenever he said that, I said, yes, let's go. Let's do it. And whew, we went into fast forward mode after that. Yeah, so how do you, I mean, because you, you said this is like January or February, February. Of, of, of 2019. Mm -hmm. You feel like in five months, we have to be in another country, <laughs> like yeah. full time. How do you even get there? Like, what was that five months like? And, and To use the words of the um, financial peace guy, uh, we sold so many things, the children wondered if they were next. <laughs> I mean, we, <laughs> we, we sold a house, two cars, everything that's in it uh, Save. We moved to Guatemala with 22 uh, bins, if that, I think, yeah, yeah and some suitcases. Yeah, so it was crazy because um, we had went to a support raising solutions uh, training and um, basically they say it takes anywhere from 12 to 18 months to, to raise the support that you need. And I was like, okay, Lord, we have 15% and we have five months. But um, if I were to encourage anybody online or watching, if the Lord calls you to do something, um, he's going to take care of it because we saw in five months God provided our family our $25,000 launch fund, and we left 90% supported wow. in five months. And, um, and I sold into the Lord, and so I would never, uh, never not answer the Lord's calling on your life because of fear, because he's definitely got this thing. So. Okay. So now you're in Guatemala. Tell us about what, what organization are you working with, and just tell us, uh, what do you do? Well, the first year is kind of funny. So we had, we actually took a year, 2019 um, up until 2020, uh, to get prepared for our students who will be arriving in October 10th in North Carolina. Um, originally, they were supposed to go directly to um, Guatemala. And this is but through Global Year. Global Year. Okay. Yes. So the idea behind Global Year is that we disciple students in another country for nine months. They learn the language. They make connections with the people. They are totally um, poured into, but then the idea is for them also to pour into others and to serve the area in which we are. We are. Uh, where normally, they're all over the world. This year, we will be the only site with 10 students who will be living with us. 
So. The uh, other global year, there's locations throughout the world, but the other global year locations because of this thing called COVID. Y'all ever heard of that? <laughs> um, because of this thing called COVID, other country borders are not opening. Um, Guatemala is opening borders this month, and so we will be able to return in November. And so, um, so we went from several locations to nearly 30 students enrolled in global year this year to we're down to 10, and they're all coming to Guatemala. Okay. So. so preparing for 2020, like mm -hmm. not obviously the pandemic and COVID wasn't even on anyone's radar. Mm -hmm. What kind of things were you having to do as a family? Obviously you needed a place to live. You needed mm -hmm. a place to be able to house 10 or however many students you're going to have each time. Like, like how, and once you get there, you're learning the language, you're having to buy a house, mm -hmm. you're having to learn the area and transfer. Like what, what is that like that, you know, because you only had a few months before all of a sudden it's 2020. I think that's yeah. right. I do want to encourage the women because my wife allowed me to go to Guatemala um, a few months before we moved. I picked out the house um, <laughs> and I walked her through it with a FaceTime. Yeah, face and then I went back down, I guess, two months later and I picked out all the appliances for the house. And uh, she wasn't a part of that either. So that's trust right there. <laughs> that's that's trust. Trust. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so and how'd he do? Did he do all right? He was awesome. <laughs> great. But, great. Yeah, during that time. So, I mean. Um, so we get there, like you said, it's language acquisition. Our first year there was really for language acquisition. Only thing we really knew when we went to Guatemala is hola, como estas, you know, buenos dias, you know, and that's all we knew. Good morning, how are you, hello. And so um, definitely language acquisition for us and, and the two boys and just setting up, um, you know, the house and reclaiming the house from birds was fun. Yeah. Yes, we are, we're literally moving nests of eggs out of our home with pigeon uh, eggs pigeon eggs yes yeah. <laughs> and then and keeping <coughs> pigeons out yeah. and just reclaiming the property and yeah. I, the water issues we would go some days without water for i don't know 12 to 14 hours at one point in the year but thankfully now our landlord has that all taken care of yeah. and we have consistent water which is a blessing yeah. and then the, the other major part of us being there for the first year was to continue to build relationships um, with directors of different ministries in the community so whenever the students, they come and they live with us, they will serve outside of the house with other various ministries. And so continue to build relationships with ministry partners there in Guatemala. All right. So. And what about a church? <laughs> like, like what, are you, what are you guys doing for a church? Were you able to find a church down there or did God kind of do something else? So um, you have this card. On this card, you'll see at the bottom, it says Iglesia Cristiana Nueva Esperanza. In English, that means New Hope Christian Church. And so we were, at first, we found a church very close to our house that was very, very much like a North American church. There was uh, missionaries there, um, some local Guatemalans there. Um, but we live in a, uh, probably about 15, 20 minutes away from that church. We live in somewhat of a rural community. And so this community is uh, um, very Catholic. And so honestly, I was telling Laurie, I was like, one, one weekend I was just saying, hey, I feel like God is calling us to plant a church. Now, the funny thing about that, remember, all I have is hola, como estas, uh, buenos dias, <laughs> and, uh, and God's calling me to plant a church in Guatemala. And so she's like, well, let's pray about it. Um, but then I remember standing on the third level of our house one day, and this uh, processional or parade goes by of, um, you know, the Catholics, and they're swinging incense, and, you know, they're carrying the figurines of Jesus, and um, just a very uh, religious and traditional type, um, I guess, worshiping in our community. And so um, the Lord confirmed what he was stirring in my heart that we were going to plant a church. And again, one of those crying spells where I'm just looking at her and I'm like, there's no doubt that God is calling us to plant a church here. And so, um, so we just started meeting with some people in the area who were interested. And we were able to have five services and then COVID. And COVID came about. And so um, 
but Lord's blessing it. So yeah, um, so we are pastoring Iglesia Cristiana Nueva Esperanza in Guatemala. Mm. So COVID did happen. COVID did happen. And we know how it affected us in our life. We know what it was like here in the States. I can only imagine what it was like in Guatemala. So walk us through that because that kind of falls into our weathering the storm. You guys stepped out on faith, retired, quit your job in ministry, it's church ministry, um, sell everything you own, move to a foreign country. You're just probably just feeling like the training wheels have come off a little bit to where, all right, we've caught our breath, we're, we're, in a, we're starting to get into a groove, and then a pandemic happens. How do you weather that in, an, in another country? Prayer and a sense of humor. <laughs> We, um, the restrictions there at first were very, uh, just overwhelming. You know, you didn't leave your house without a mask. Wearing it or being hot or uncomfortable was not to be considered. You just, you wore it because you were told. Uh, There would be significant fines if you did not wear it. Um, We had curfews from originally I think it was 9 to 4. Um, originally 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. I'm sorry, 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. So for you didn't whole, leave. For so you're just your area or the whole country? No, the whole country. The whole country. The whole mm-hmm. country. No. Wow. Didn't leave your house. You would be arrested if you did not, you know, adhere to those things. And of course, you have people who try to, to bend the rules, and they were shown that that's not what you do. Um, when you enter our Pueblo, you have a temperature check. So they would check your temperature. You had to wear, of course, have your mask. They wanted to see you either put hand sanitizer on or they gave it to you, and they would spray the undercarriage of your car. This is every time you went in if, uh, to, your, to a different little town, they were doing that. And they would, you would be stopped. You would be asked, you know, what is the purpose of your visit? It was, it was monitored quite heavily. And up and just to a few weeks ago, just to put it into perspective, if you live in Forsyth County, you were not allowed to go to Guilford County. And so they had also travel restrictions between what they called departments. And, and so um, unless you were some director of a ministry and had special permission, you weren't leaving your department either. So. Wow. The beaches, the mountains, the rivers, everything were, you know, were closed at, at one point. So there was no and they're still closed. Are they? Okay. Mm-hmm. So there were, it was pretty much stay at home. There were a few weekends that we had complete lockdown, meaning when you went into your home um, on a Friday you didn't come out again unless maybe for an hour or two they would allow for you to go get necessities uh, until that following Monday. Wow. So, yeah, it was heavily, heavily guarded. And can I tell, tell you about a funny week? Yeah, go ahead. Right. So you know we have two boys, and life is going to happen with children. Well, in one week, our youngest, Joshua, um, he swallowed a penny. He, um, well, we discovered that he had a parasite, Namely, worms. That's just disgusting, but that's the <laughs> fact of it. And then he fractured his arm in two places in the midst of the pandemic uh, in a f- the foreign language that I'm just learning to speak. And only one of us can go to the hospital with him. But he is alive. He is in the hospital. He downstairs. was here. So yeah. <laughs> he, was here. <laughs> he made it, and we did too. So and hopefully, worm free. Yeah. We're hoping. He better be. <laughs> <laughs> could be worse. Could be COVID. Yeah, <laughs> and you were telling me earlier, the hospital situation in in Guatemala, dealing with people who were showing up um, with COVID or passing away at the hospital. T- tell us about that, because that was just heartbreaking. Yeah. So the uh, health infrastructure there is already not well, and so in the middle of a pandemic and. 
and especially in Guatemala City, there's three million people who live in the city there, and so that's the epicenter right now of um, of COVID. And so, you would, uh, if you went to the hospital, they gave a report, for example, of a woman. A woman um, was experiencing symptoms. She took the taxi to the hospital, and she tested positive, um, but she got to the hospital with no identification. And what they're requiring from from the family that if you have a family member who tests positive, goes to the hospital and, and passes while they're in the hospital, you as a family have to recover them within six hours or they take them and they bury them. And so what happened with this lady, and there's many cases like her, um, there's no identification. Her family didn't know she went to the hospital. And so while she was in the hospital, she did pass away. And so what they are doing, if nobody identifies them, they've basically went into this field and they've dug these um, you know, holes, this massive graveyard and they're just burying them there, but they take the picture of the person whenever they pass away. And so, for example, if one of my family members goes to the hospital and I get to the hospital and they say, well, they're not, you know, we're not sure if they're here or not, what they're gonna do is they're gonna show me a group of pictures. And so in that group of pictures of people who have deceased, I would say, hey, there's, there's my mom. And they say, well, your mom has number three. And so we've buried her in the hole out there in the field in number three. And so that's how, I mean, things are going in Guatemala right now. Gosh, yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, now, you guys, you were separated a little bit because of the pandemic. And, and, and so what have the last six months been like for you guys in, in ministry or being together as a family or not together? Like, what's, what's all going on there? I won't pick on him first. I want to brag on him. So, <laughs> um, one of the things that our church did in um, in Guatemala was viveres. I always mispronounce viveres. Okay, mm -hmm. they basically that's a bag of um, sus sustaining items like rice, beans, sugar, um, oils, oils yeah. maseca. Just basically, we would say the staple items in our kitchens here. Things that would keep people, you know, you know, like when it snows, bread and milk. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> That's their equivalent of bread and milk. And our church, um, we received donations. We were able to go and to give food to families in need, but just in our local area. We were not mass food distributors. There are ministries that do that, and they do a beautiful job of that. But our ministry, we wanted to connect with the people in our town. And so he and a group of young men went out and would pray with, with each family. They would give them food. Um, they would sit and talk, of course, invite them for whenever services do begin again. Um, but they, would, they did that for several months. Yeah, for four months, we were, we were able for four months to deliver food to nearly 300 families. I can talk loud. You want me to hit it? You're covering it. You're covering it. No, you're covering the antenna. Just hold it like that. <laughs> Is it good now? Yes. <laughs> hey, it's the hands of steel, Hank. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, where was it? Oh, yeah, so we were delivering food. So f over four months, um, there was a time of separation. Um, Laurie and the boys, they came back in June, right? Mm -hmm. It was June. I just came back five weeks ago, and the main reason I stayed there was because um, there was different things we had to get. Um, done there in Guatemala getting ready for the students. We were still giving out food. Um, I praise the Lord. We received uh, nearly $10,000 to the church there to buy food for the community. So we were able to give 15,000 pounds of food to 300 families, um, which was amazing in itself. Um, and it did take four months because every family we met with um, heard the gospel. Um, they heard us praying for them. Um, we were opening scripture, reading with them. Um, and it was, it was an excellent time. Um, like I said, we had five services, and at the end of the five services, um, 
then we really got to be the church. Um, as you guys know, and I'm sure your pastor, knowing Mike Giannopoulos, uh, he has told you many times, church is not what happens inside of these four walls. Church is what happens outside of the four walls. And so we really, I mean, we were forced to really be the, be the church. Um, and so we w were out in the community meeting with families and encouraging them and praying with them and just doing life with them. And so um, I hate the pandemic happened, um, but it was also in that a blessing just to show the people of Guatemala what it looked like to be the church. Yeah. yeah. So, so what's next for you guys? I mean, <laughs> the students, you said, are coming in, what, in a couple of weeks or months? and then October 10th. October 10th. Yes. And then, so what else is going to happen between now, uh, the students come, and then you guys head back to Guatemala. What's, what's the next two months of your life look like? Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> no, good chaos. We are um, receiving our students October 10th. They will start a training session in Rutherford County. And where are they coming from? All over. Alaska, North Carolina, I mean, excuse me, South Carolina, Georgia. Montana. Uh, Montana. Wow. Uh, all over. And then there are a few that have just been added to our team last week. We don't even really know yet. So um, there it is all over the states from all over the states so they'll come to Georgia first they'll say goodbye to their parents and then they'll take a little sad little van ride up to North Carolina and then we'll have them and we'll be a part of their training um, they will actually be there for about six weeks uh, as it's turning out but we will have to return we return the first week of November but during that time they will start a novel um, the spirit walk uh, they will also be taught the T for T model as far as disciple making and then um, they'll start language acquisition uh, courses. What else? Oh, we'll serve in the local area. Yeah. yeah, that's about it. So just to explain really um, our goal for the students and what Global Year is all about, it's about making disciples that make disciples. And so what does it really look like to be a follower of Jesus um, as we look at throughout Scripture and as the disciples walk with Jesus, what does that look like? And so what does that look like for us? And if we call ourselves followers of Christ, what does that look like to be a disciple? And so uh, for them to understand that, but then to be able to reproduce that and to train somebody else and to teach somebody else, this is what it really means to be a disciple of Christ. So, so what can we do for you? I mean, you guys are going to be heading back in a couple of months to Guatemala. What can our RE3 community do? Um, obviously, pray. Um, what, what do you guys need? What, what can we do to help you? Yeah, so definitely take this card home and put it on your refrigerator or somewhere where you can see it. Um, so Guatemala, um, missionary life is hard. Um, I mean, I, for several times, the boys this year, um, there was tears in their eyes, missing, missing home. Um, and uh, we got these guys back there. I'm going to uh, go ahead and get on their nerves. Uh, <laughs> would the family in the back please stand up? <laughs> <laughs> All of you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, we love them. This is our daughter, Salem and Madison, and there is our uh, lovely son-in-law, Brandon, and then these are three dear children that we adore as well. You can sit down now. I've embarrassed <laughs> you. <laughs> um, we can have them come up front if you want. I mean, is that, <laughs> no? No, All they, right. look, do you see that? That <laughs> Salem got that finger up fast. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we, we love Guatemala, we love pouring into children, but there is a reality that when you leave, no one is pouring into yours, or 
there are. God takes care of it. But you still wish that you could be part of it more. And um, so it's going to be hard to leave, but I think that they definitely understand what the Lord is doing. And um, Salem and Brandon, as he said, have been able to come. They know the area. Madison was able to visit as well, and so she has an understanding. So I think that they're, they are a wonderful, supportive family, and we love them, but we need your prayers for them. And so, two things missionaries always need is prayer and money, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so right now, as far as uh, monthly support, we're around $500 a month short of just being fully funded. As uh, in just trusting in the Lord, that just means, hey, we just need five people to say yes to $100 a month. For you uh, expert mathematicians, that means 10 people at $50 a month or even 20 people at $25 a month. Um, so in case you couldn't do the math. <laughs> I, but, I, uh, can't, I can't <laughs> do that. I but, was an English teacher. But, uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, if you're interested in, in giving a one-time gift, uh, right now we are partnering with the Ministry Global Year. Um, we need to buy a vehicle when we get back, a 15-passenger um, van for the students. And so we're trying to raise fifteen twenty thousand 20000 to buy that ministry vehicle. Um, if you saw our latest newsletter, you saw some of the roads that we'll be driving down, so it needs to be a durable vehicle. Um, and so the Lord has already blessed us right at $11,000, so um, I feel confident in that, too. Um, and so that's monetary needs, but, uh, but we really do. Um, prayer is a powerful thing, and, um, and we really would uh, covet your prayers and appreciate you praying for us. And um, before we close, I just want to give a little devo, if you don't mind. Go ahead. But, um, so I've just uh, been sharing a word. It comes from Colossians, and it's Colossians chapter 4, and it's in uh, verses 2 through 6. And Paul is in prison, and he's asking for prayer. And he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And so in the prayer, he's just talking about being watchful, um, being watchful for the things that are going on around us, being watchful for those who are lost. But he asked for prayer. He says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on which I am in prison for. And I would ask that you guys would do the same for us. Um, God has really given us a heart um, to reach the lost, a heart to... Uh, to share with people who live in a situation that seems hopeless that there is hope in the name of Jesus. And so as Paul says, pray for him that God may open the door to him to declare the mystery of Christ. I would ask that that really be one of the things you pray for us, that God would give us opportunities in our local community to declare the greatest news known to man and that there is a God who loves us and he loves us so much that even in our sin he sent his son Jesus to die for us. And he says here, I mean, I, this blows my mind thinking about Paul, but Paul says that I may make it clear, which I, and to make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. And I think the greatest missionary ever known to mankind in the history says, pray that I may present it clearly. And so being in a different culture, the gospel is a little different. It's still the same gospel, but the way in which you present it is different because of the culture. And, um, and uh, it's a good word for all of us today, but he says, to walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. And I know in my North American life, and even now in Guatemala, I find myself being so busy. Um, I think that's probably one of the biggest things the enemy uses against us today is just life, and we're so busy that we miss those opportunities. And, um, and Paul talks about making the best of every opportunity that you have. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer um, each person. And I pray that we're all really living in such a way that people are asking us questions. 
and asking us, how are we getting through this pandemic right now? How are you whenever you're laid off? How do you get through that? I mean, when you lose your job, how are you doing that? And using that opportunity, making the best use of that opportunity and say, hey, there's this God who loves me so much. And there's this peace that scripture talks about that surpasses all understanding. And it's through the peace of God that I'm making it through the situation right now. And what greater time do we have than ever before in the middle of a pandemic to share that there is a God who loves us? And I just encourage each one of you to pray for us that we make the best use of the opportunity that we have. But I pray for you that you do the same. Amen. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you so much for Lori, for Richard, for their family, for their testimony of um, not just stepping out on faith, but really setting aside their timetable and saying, God, what do you want for our lives? What does is, what is your time look like? God, for being willing to go to a place that um, their heart was broken for, but just logistically looked almost impossible with having to learn a new language and a new culture. But God, you're bigger than all of that because it's your language, it's your culture. God, we pray for them this year as they are truly weathering a storm that's even different from ours in a country that is also wrecked with fear and loss. Lord, I pray for them. I pray for the students that are going to be arriving here in just a few weeks. Um, man, I just pray that everything just goes as smoothly as possible. That God, that when they all get together finally in Guatemala, that God, it's a ministry like that country has never seen before. Mm-hmm. And God, that you just do incredible, powerful things, making your name famous and, and just letting people know that the Haydens, their students, that they are agents of hope and love through you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.